the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, there's a lot of careers out there. Career is a way of building income. Um, give me just a second. How do I want to approach this? We have entire industries who their job is to authenticate a signature. It's an important thing when you deal with buying a home. It's pretty interesting. One of the companies that has come out of, or maybe became out at the right time during the pandemic, a company called DocuSign. I feel like everyone's done one of these already. I'm not 100% positive of that, but they're pretty common in my industry now. It's computer software. It was a San Francisco-based company, or is a San Francisco-based company. They've got 3,000-plus employees. And when you look at it, it's incredibly simple, easy service to use. <laughs> it's like not too shabby. Um, I have had renters sign documents with DocuSign. I've signed contracts with DocuSign. I've signed business deals with DocuSign. Um, the idea of going into a UPS and, hey, do you have anyone could do the thumbprint thing and validate my signature? That seems so, how shall we say, 17th century at this point, or 18th century. Listen to what DocuSign has done in the last five years of revenue. $210 million, $400 million, $500 million, $700 million, $1 billion. That's in the last five years. They've marched from $200 million all the way to a billion. They just had a quarter that may or may not have impressed Wall Street. That doesn't matter to me. Their net operating cash flow has gone from 54 million in 2018 to 76 million to 115 million. Okay. Most tech companies don't have a lot of debt, so the cash flow is great. They've IPO'd. They've got some of the insiders cashing out already and moving on. With those shares, Wall Street's made up of buyers and sellers, and anytime a company comes public, sometimes in the first six months to the first couple of years, some insiders go, you know, honey, I think I want to buy a bigger house. You know, honey, I think I want to buy a, a Lamborghini. Um, their liabilities, clean as a whistle. Wall Street just didn't like the quarter. That could be an opportunity in a company that's got four or five years of, of business operations and you're like okay 
a little bit of disappointment, but that revenue on a five-year basis is attractive. Then you get into the question of, am I overpaying for something? But again, I don't see myself ever, ever, ever um, not using them if it's available. Getting your autograph authenticated with a digital signature versus, and again, this is where Bitcoin becomes very popular. Bitcoin is kind of like a blockchain, is built on blockchain technology, which is really good at authenticating things. That's a positive for a company like DocuSign because they're authenticating things. They're both in the digital world. I'm not telling you to go out and buy DocuSign. I'm saying that take a look at different types of companies. Um, and how did they do during the pandemic? That's the craziest thing that I've said this week. How did they do during the pandemic? Sometimes on this show, I'll go, okay, how did the company do during 9-11? Because that was a scary time for the U.S. economy. We were afraid that terrorists would go after our railroads. We were afraid terrorists would go after malls. And then it all kind of died down. And I don't know if it was the CIA. I don't know if it was the FBI. I don't know if it was the president. I don't know if it was just a one and done kind of period of our, our we feared it and we moved on. It hit the United States is what happened. We weren't ready for that. Uh, DocuSign is going to be expensive, no matter how you look at it, because that's just the fact of a company that's growing their revenue from 200 million to a billion in five years. It's going to have enough people's attention. People like Warren Buffett aren't stupid when he owns real estate companies and he's seeing, you know, Hey, we don't have to send someone out to get a signature. Sign here, sign here, sign here, sign here, sign here, sign here. Now sign here, now sign here. We don't need to do that anymore. It could all be docu-signed. Um, do they have a competitor? Not one that I could think of. Maybe a real human being, but real human beings cost a lot of money. To get someone to come authenticate your signature, and they bring that book, and they, they have the, the ink blotter, and they have a typically a, a baby wipe for you. What's that, two, three hundred dollars at a time? If I was not college educated, that would have been a great job for me until DocuSign came along. And then I'd be like, ooh, what career did I get myself into? So I will look at a DocuSign and go, I find it interesting on a revenue basis. I find it interesting on a uh, cost of business. It's not a huge company. They're doing a billion dollars of revenue on. 33,000 employees, the revenue per employee is pretty attractive and it's a very scalable business. Do they have to get it right? Yeah, they have to get it right. Um, but they digitally prepare, execute, act on documents, uh, document comparisons, payments, brokers, agents, managing real estate transactions. It's it's in the right place. It serves enterprise, commercial, and small businesses. It's, it's, it's pretty swathy. It's hidden a big group of people. So what I do with a company like that is I put it on a watch list. And sometimes I'll go through my watch list. I'm like, I don't even remember putting that on a watch list. Um, but that also tells you, like, sometimes you need to update your, your ways of thinking, right? So if I were to take a look at it right now... Would it qualify for a buy? 
Not if I'm looking for downside protection. I like stocks to be washed out when I buy them. You don't always get that luxury though, do you? It's almost like living the dream, like, ah, oh, I bought Facebook. Now I did buy Facebook at $20 a share a long time ago when it fell apart after its IPO. It looked like it was going to break in half. It looked like it was dead. So I have watch lists. And one of the things I'll do on my watch list is I'll start pulling up charts. And I want to see where the stock is in the last 52 weeks. Let's say a stock's gone from 30 to 60, and it's currently at $58. That's not going to qualify for my it's washed out. That's going to qualify for my momentum. I'm not against momentum. But you have to kind of classify things in your head. Um, if you're going to be buying individual stocks, mutual funds, or the stock market, keep in mind, in the first hour, I talked about future Rob coming back to old Rob and saying you could have bought Constellation brands 30 years ago and made more money than you did on Apple and Facebook. You don't sometimes have to be a Rubik's Cube I can do that in 14 seconds or three seconds. You know, I dated someone who used to hypnotize people so they could do Rubik's Cubes. How random is that? I dated a hypnotist? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I think the theme of today's show has been something along the lines of you don't have to go out and buy enterprise software stocks to make a ton of money. You just have to have a lot of time. And you can buy something boring, like a beer company, an alcohol company. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. But will that last? I don't know. Will that help people? I don't know. This week, I was shocked to start thinking like, okay, during the pandemic, people probably haven't been dating as much. Hey, honey, you want to go go bowling? No, I don't want to put my fingers where other people put their fingers. No. So I learned this week that Bumble is a rebound play on the economy. You factor that in with seeing seven out of 10 dresses at Anthropology as the best sellers of the month of Indian February. You're like, we are really ready. We really want to come out of this and keep it our fingers crossed. There's not one more um, push of the pandemic in bad news. Keep in mind, I have a friend whose child this week, his teenage child got positive on COVID. So it's still out there. Um, and I'm going to check in with them in a week and say, did things go smoothly? And fingers crossed they did. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Hey, Oprah Winfrey has one of the best business stories of all time. Going from being a business reporter, not a business reporter, but a business affairs kind of thing, consumer affairs in Baltimore to, they're like, well, we need to kill an hour and we need to make it a local show because local is part of the way local TV stations make money. And she did a show like a good day Baltimore. And then that got popular because she had some colorful expressions, some colorful interviewing techniques. Um, and she empowered a lot of people and she turned it into a franchise business. 
she very smartly went the way of Wheel of Fortune um, and other shows that broke away from being owned locally or even nationally to being her own brand, but she had to bet on her own brand. Some of the things I've watched about her interviewing technique, she's really comfortable with silence. She's very direct. She uses what's called reflective listening. People open up when they know someone is really listening to them. So if Meghan Markle is about to spill the beans and she, she, tell, she can sense there's something there, she go, I hear you. I understand you. I know what that pain feels like. Someone says, yeah, I had a painful childhood. I, I, I know what painful childhood is. Like, next thing you know. She asks follow-up questions. She doesn't know all the answers. Um, oftentimes in her interview, she's thrown off guard. And she looks like, oh, my, I'm, I've been thrown off guard by that answer. And that's kind of refreshing. Is it a bit of an act? Kind of is. One of the things that I don't like about her interviewing technique is she leans in a lot. But that's okay. That's a different style than the one I'm used to. She tries to come across as authentic. The reason I bring this up is I will probably make my kids watch a couple of Oprah interviews in their lifetime just so they can learn how to talk to other people in job scenarios. Um, it's weird that this is how we're 21st century training our kids. Mark Cuban said something genius to me, and it just resonated. He goes, I don't care if my kids know geometry and algebra. They're probably not on the path to becoming coding software engineers. Because I just want them to have the ability to learn. So I'm okay with everything they're consuming as long as it's educational in some way, shape, or form. So I like Oprah. Will I like support her? I don't think I do. But I think she's probably one of the greatest interviewers. On the other hand, a man who gets a lot of credit for great interviews, I think he's awful, is Howard Stern. He was great when he was interviewing like strippers and pimps, when his show was really on the dark and dirty, edgy side. But if he's interviewing Bono or McCartney, it's, he's just annoying now. He interrupts the answers. He doesn't listen. He, he asks a great question, then he interrupts them before they get halfway through. So what I'm trying to get at is... I think we can learn a lot by becoming better listeners. I had a girlfriend many, 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 many years ago that um, she said one thing that I, when we were breaking up, she goes, I hate this because you actually paid attention to me. Like when you were with me, you gave me a hundred percent of your attention. And most guys my age are jumping on their phones or on their computers or checking their emails while they're brushing their teeth. Um, I think it's one of those life hacks is pay attention to people. It's not gonna. It's not gonna kill you. Uh, 1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. A Java developer is considered to be a great career at this point in time. I bring this up because I used to read a magazine called Red Herring, and on the cover of Red Herring was an engineer from Sun Microsystems named Kim Polazy. Um, and I don't know if I got the name right. I was in awe of her, her coding skills. Uh, it's weird because that goes back 30 years now where she was a Sun Microsystems engineer and she invented this language which changed the world. And 30 years later, it's still kind of changed the world. 
She's born in 61, so she's older than me. Um, and it's weird because I remember her when she looked really young. And I see pictures of her giving speeches now. And she looks her age. But she came up with one of the... She didn't come up with. She, she did a lot of the work on Java. 30 years later, it's still an important engineering software program. Where you can make good $140,000, $150,000 a year. And it's not that hard. Um, anyway, I throw that out there again. Sometimes the more we try to reinvent the wheel, sometimes it's right in front of our faces. Java hasn't changed that much in 30 years. Kim Polacy, look her up if you want to. She's got a great woman in tech story. P-O-L-E-S-E, Kim Polacy. And Red Herring was a fantastic magazine back in the day. I miss that one. I learned a lot about tech in the, reading that magazine. Volume after volume after volume after volume after volume after volume. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. This is a weird weekend. This is a weekend where we're going to be watching the Grammy Awards, where we just watched the Golden Globe Awards, and the Golden Globe Awards were very odd, but they were better than they were in the start of the pandemic. We've gotten a little bit more experienced at pandemic type of award shows. We're getting a little bit better at pulling them off. But this weekend's another weekend of uh, award shows. And that just reminds me, it's it must be March. Like, when's the Academy Awards? Like. Everything is just a day. I'm dazed and confused at this point in time. I don't know what month it is. I'm looking forward to getting back to knowing what, what month it is. I haven't gotten gas in three weeks. <laughs> like, I'm like, when am I going to fill up my t- When am I going to see? Like, we want to get back to normal. But this weekend, BTS is going to make history when they perform at the Grammys. Whether they win an award or not. I looked at BTS four or five years ago. I was like, okay, Korean pop. I don't really know a lot about K-pop. But K-pop stands for Korean pop music, I think. They're going to perform one of their songs at the Grammys. The seven-member band smash hit Dynamite is nominated for Best Pop Duo Group Performance. I think they're going to win. My girlfriend's Haim, the band. Haim, the band. H-A-I-M. They're nominated. And I kind of want BTS to win because... I've seen the rock trio girls win. I haven't seen anyone from Korea win in America ever. It's the group's second shot at a Grammy. They were nominated for Best Recording Package for the artwork of their best-selling album, Love Yourself, back in 2019. The songs that they're up against, uh, Taylor Swift's Exile. Please don't win, Taylor Swift. Please. Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande, Rain on Me, Justin Bieber's Intentions. Um, But it's about time that we just open up just a little bit more. And again, three years ago, I couldn't have picked one of the guys out of a lineup, and I still can't. Uh, My older brother, David's got a daughter who they grew up watching the Jonas Brothers. So he'd take her to concerts as a 12-year-old girl. They still go to concerts to see Joe Jonas. Joe Jonas is he with a band or not. Um, I kind of like seeing some of the young kids. And for me, BTS is a global brand. And when you're a global brand, you're worth billions. I say Coca-Cola, what do you think? You probably see a red can, maybe a polar bear. You see something there. 
maybe you see a big uh, icy Coke on a, a, a hot, sunny day, July 4th barbecue party where you're like, I've had one too many beers. I'm not feeling so good. Maybe I'm going to open up a Coke. But if you go shopping right now, you see BTS. That is impressive. According to Forbes, BTS was the named the top recording artist in the world. The group sold 8.7 million records last year. They're used to beating their own records. They're in the Guinness World Book of Record Holders for most viewed YouTube music video in 24 hours. Dynamite pulled in 101 million views in one day. Now, we in America make a big fuss about the Super Bowl. And I don't know, but I think the ratings probably peaked around 110, 113 million Americans watching the Super Bowl. In a country of 250 million, 300 million, that's a lot of people watching the same freaking fracking thing at the same time. They had 101 million views in one day. They've leveraged their popularity to be a global brand. They've signed lucrative endorsements with Samsung and Fila. They were named Times Entertainment of the, Entertainer of the Year in 2020. Wall Street Journal's Innovators of 2020. Um, I kind of hope they win because I'd like to see a Korean. Like To me, it's just it's nice to see national pride other than USA, USA, USA. It's There's a joke about national pride right now in Rome. You know the old phrase, when in Rome? Go home. They don't want you there right now. Um, but they released three albums last year, despite the COVID-19 pandemic. As did, you know why? Because people were captivated audiences. I saw one of the bands that I like a lot who has the number one song in America right now, AJR, a song called Bang. They just did something where they're going to release a new album. And they did an interesting new shopping method that I've, I do not know about, that I learned about yesterday. Where if you go to Insta, uh, if you go to Spotify or if you go to Apple Music and you preload the album, and again, you're paying for the services, Apple, uh, Apple Music or Spotify, so you're just preloading it. You can see all 12 songs that are going to be on the album. You see the three or four that have already been released. But you get access to interviews that are private. You get access to uh, a show that will be acoustic to do like a, a launch party. And I learned about this by going to um, Instagram. And they said, swipe up, preload it, and see an exclusive concert. So I'm starting to see like the power of Instagram. And I'm also starting to see the power of Apple Music and Spotify to offer something unique to people who like things like BTS or AJR. Um, exclusive content. It wins the day. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. And again, I think if you don't like BTS, let some other people shine. <laughs> like we have our Britney Spears. We have our icons of, of international music. Um, I don't know. That's just my enlightened moment of the day, so to speak. Or I want it to be an enlightened moment of the day. The IPO market's been super huge. Um, and it's continuing. That's good news and bad news. So an IPO comes public. And Rob Black has a finite set of dollars. We learned this last week when we were talking about Warren Buffett selling some shares of Apple. He made over $100 billion at Apple. 
and he puts some of that money into other companies like Verizon. Verizon pays a big fat dividend of four and a half percent. He likes anything that beats inflation. He doesn't have to go for the, let's make $100 billion. He could be an income investor too. But the IPO market taught us something that Warren Buffett taught us. You only have access to so much money. And Warren Buffett once said, pretend as an investor, you have a punch card with 20 punches. You can only buy 20 stocks in your lifetime. You're going to be a lot more careful about it, aren't you? And I agree with that. And that's where IPOs kind of mess with my mind because do I want instant gratification? I told you Roblox was coming public and I told you it was going to be up huge and it was up huge. I don't play that game myself, but I see that as bad news. Um, Roblox was a direct listing. Coupang, CPNG, a South Korean e-commerce firm. They opened 81% above its IPO. Um, Robinhood is expected to come later this year. I can't wait for that one because part of their business model is now going to be settling lawsuits and trying to put that into an initial public offering is difficult. Instacart is coming public this year. Last year at this time, do you know what you were doing? You were scrambling to buy toilet paper. Where did all the toilet paper go? Who bought all the toilet paper? Did we get dirty butt COVID? It feels like it. A year later, we got plenty of, of toilet paper. But that's the IPO uh, mania, where Instacart is coming public because they brought us stuff like that. I'm using Instacart less and less now. Um, that worries me. Roblox has got a captive audience of kids at home playing video games and kids getting into video games at a younger age. Um, if you're a millennial, you have no problems with, with mobile phones. For my dad, he had never seen one before. And he's like, well, it could cause cancer in your ear. <laughs> like, we're more and more. So I'm worried about the IPO market at this point in time. There is a, a way of investing in IPOs, which is a very bizarre way, called Renaissance IPO. It's an exchange-traded fund. So if you have to own IPOs, they go out and buy them all. And what you're going to see is, at times, historically, it's been an underperformer. But it's also had some sexiness to it. Like when Facebook announces an IPO, people go, well, I can't get the Facebook IPO, but I can get the ETF, an exchange-traded fund of IPOs. It's really tough to analyze IPOs because you're not seeing a lot of history there. Um, I read IPO prospectuses all the time. I read the red herring. I read the prospectus. Like, that's my job to do for you, to try to figure out what's going to be uh, an echo of the dot-com boom. And when you take a look at it, in 2020, we're spiking in IPOs. 2021 is already well on its way to catching 2020. This is a historic ramp up. It looks like a skyscraper when you look at a bar chart. In 95, in 97, we had 800 companies list for IPOs. Too many. Uh, I don't want to say we've, we need Ritalin to get through this IPO market, but you kind of do. Attention deficit disorders. Ritalin, I think, the one that they use for that. I've got two kids, and one of them can't focus for his life and probably has some attention deficit disorder. He, he gets on step two and he's supposed to be a five-step process and he's off to another thing. Never makes it to step three. 
that's the fear that I have with IPOs. Now, IPOs now, there are a lot of unicorns. There are companies that are losing money that are on the cusp of making big money. Sometimes IPOs could be things like Visa came public 20 years ago and they were an established company that was making money. It's a different IPO market, right? Just be worried that there's too many of them out there because we are a nation with a finite set of money like Warren Buffett. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You know one of my favorite things to do as a child? And the song is kind of reminding me of that. I'm like, who is that? But as a child, one of my favorite things to do was Saturday and Sunday mornings. And this just ages me in the worst possible way. Dick Clark's top 40. I lived overseas for the majority of my childhood. And friends of my father would record shows like that. And we'd get like six cassette tapes of the shows. And they were gold. We didn't have American TV. We didn't have English-speaking entertainment in any way, shape, or form. So people would send us cassette tapes. And I just remember what a beautiful time of life that was. Sitting there and listening to a top 10, top 20, top 40, the long-distance dedications. And then later in life, you'd learn kind of what a jerk he could be. Um, Casey Kasem. That's who I'm trying to think of, not Dick Clark. Well, Dick Clark had one, but Casey Kasem was the man. And uh, Casey Kasem freaking out over a dead dog dedication and a happy song coming out of it. If you get a chance to Google Casey Kasem or go to YouTube, just hit Casey Kasem bloopers, it'll remind you of a happier time of spending your weekends listening to this incredibly polished voice. I don't have an incredibly polished voice, but maybe that's where I grew up loving radio and I still like doing radio and television and, and podcasting. I saw my producer um, update on the podcast. We wanted to really get a new website up and going by March 15th. That's not going to happen. Uh, the company that's funding the new podcast is a little bit slow to react uh, or approve. They're just a little bit gun shy in times of the pandemic, but we'll get there. And uh, hopefully we'll get there when things start to reopen. I would love to go to a barbecue on July 4th. <laughs> that's like my dream right now of being in a maskless area still keep it social distance because i don't want to be close to you but that's where we're all starting to think right now right reopening what will happen to the airbnbs and the door dashes in the reopening i still plan to keep distance treasury yields are rising at this point in time and i'll be honest it, that that's going to determine the future of prices on stocks and prices on real estate for the things that have done outsizely well. When the 10-year treasury hits 3%, 4%, I'm going to go, hey, I can buy that and beat inflation because I see inflation between 2 and 4%. 10-year treasury is a big one in my mind right now. One in 10 Americans have been vaccinated against COVID-19. That's kind of nice to hear. 98 million doses that have been administered so far have fully vaccinated 33.9 million people. More than 64 million people or 19.3% of the population have received at least one dose. So those numbers are starting to fall in place. Now, that's good news and bad news. From a Wall Street perspective, 
we were waiting for those numbers to fall in place. Now they're falling in place. Will it be enough for herd immunity? I don't know. Is herd immunity all that it's cracked up to be? I don't know. I could say we're moving in the right direction. And that's now a demon known versus unknown. And that's one of the business lessons that Wall Street does not like uncertainty. So we had a lot of volatile days as we were waiting for the vaccine. Will Pfizer, is it news be good news or bad news? And it turned out to be freaking great. Now we're like, will everyone in America get the shot or won't they? We're now at 10% of the society. With 19.3% of our society having at least one shot, which does help in the the uh, severity of the disease if you get hit. Um, we're looking at the end of May for everyone to be inoculated. Uh, or everyone who wants one to have the access to one. That means we might have a July 4th where we're a little bit more open. I think we will. I think people are so stir crazy. And to use a dirty word, <laughs> I don't want to use the dirty word, but... Uh, bat poo poo crazy. Like we are out of our minds right now. Johnson Johnson's coronavirus vaccine was approved Thursday by the European Medicines Agency. Europe is having a big, big problem with vaccinations, bigger than the United States and worse than California. I think California is bungling a bit, um, but that's okay. Europe is really bungling it because they have different countries that have different thoughts. And that's one of the big problems about the European Union is it's tough to get consensus when you come from Italy. Oh, we've been around for 2,000 years, 2,000 years. And then you get an economy like Greece is like, oh, we're bankrupt. We don't have jobs. We're, And then you get economies like Germany like, oh, we, we all have jobs. We all have jobs. Um, it's very tough to pull off coordination when you're a union of separate countries. As an investor, I prefer investing in the United States and in Asia. Um, there used to be a time on this radio show when I was like, European banks have been around for 2,000 years. They never mess up. And what was actually true was they just mess up a lot bigger. Um, so we've had some banking crises that really turned me off to Europe. As an investor, that's a weird thing to say, right? But when I'm looking at how they're handling the vaccine, I'm like, yeah, I'm not all that impressed. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Chinese antitrust regulators are fining Tencent and Baidu and 10 other big companies. The I don't like what happens in China. We see some companies come public. We see a lot of success. We talk about the next one coming public and having success. And the next thing you know, you know their CEO is gone. He's resigned. That's kind of capitalism that makes me a little bit leery. If you listen to the first hour of the show, I tra talked about Travis Kalanick having a ghost kitchen concept that's going to make him another billion dollars in an IPO. If he were in China, Chinese, China's premier may say, eh, let's arrest him. Let's take half his money. I don't like that. Anyhow, and anyway, it's not all about what I like and don't like. Go BTS. Uh, big Weekend Show, the Grammys. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com.